The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Each business is unique and operated individually of others in the same industry. What they have in common is the potential path to success. Welcome to The Second Stage with your hosts, Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. In today's program, we'll address the obstacles that many businesses find on that path to success and discuss what entrepreneurs and their businesses are doing to stay ahead of the curve. Now, here is Brendan Anderson and Jeffrey Cadlick. Welcome, everybody, to The Second Stage. It's Brendan Anderson and Jeff Cadlick. Brendan, I'm excited about our show. Yeah, Jeff, and it's, it's good to have you back. I, uh, you know, we've uh, we've kind of done two solo shows, and 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 I and I uh, know you've probably well, you probably haven't listened to mine, but I got to be honest with you, Jeff, I have trouble staying on ta- on uh, task and on focus and and all that stuff without you here. So I'm glad to have you back. Yeah, and I, I missed you too. Mine probably was a little flat and lacked creativity. Uh, I let my guests carry the show. Well, uh, I had Mark Fiala, who, as you know, uh, we uh, um, was the last one, and uh, thank God Mark knows his uh, subject cold because I uh, at the time you know, I drift off and think about other wonderful things that uh, we could be talking about. But Mark was uh, Mark was a great guest and a, right. and a great topic. It, it, yes, he he is uh, he is a great guest. I had Roger Pro uh, from McGladry talking about some of the common mistakes that small companies make, and uh, it was uh, very enlightening and refreshing. Uh, uh, to to go over that information with him as well. So so Brennan, tell our guests, uh, remind our guests what you learned about onboarding with Mark Fiala last week. Well, first of all, Jeff, it's going to be tough to offboard you since I haven't onboarded you correctly. If, uh, <laughs> if that makes any sense, um, you know, I, I you know, Jeff, I, I think it's a wonderful show, and, and Mark has some great points. Um, I think that the biggest thing for me is going back to. You know the 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 process that we the processes that we that we teach and talk about in every every meeting really do s- help facilitate you know the onboarding p- process and uh, um, and quite frankly you know how to deal with people when when they don't work out and so I, you know I, I just kind of go back to that as a as a as a core you know kind of part of of what we talk about and quite frankly circling back to some of the things that um, you know that, that Mark talked about obviously mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. very exciting huh learned a lot. Absolutely, as you pointed out, Mark. Mark is an easy guest, and he's uh, a pro and, and well informed. Um, I also want to turn our attention to some of the things that we heard about this week, uh, as we've been looking around the entrepreneurial market. My actually topic, Brendan, is uh, in the private equity community. I think private do you equity. Know, do you know anything about that? Very little. Very little. Okay. Just what I, just what I read in the papers. Okay. And uh, un- unfortunately, that's where most people make their impressions about private equity. And in this last election, private equity, I think, got a little politicized. And I understand the whole political process that you have to marginalize your opponent as much as you can. And there's been a lot uh, for many years uh, about private equity being, uh, I-, I guess, kind of put in the same camp as Wall Street and, and as a private equity person, I, I'm personally offended by that because uh, 
Uh, I think Wall Street is a bit of a casino, for, particularly for the retail investor. But private equity is very different in my mind in that there is alignment of interest. And the article that I read it was actually a white paper uh, written by Private Advisors, which is a Richmond, Virginia-based uh, alternative asset management firm, very highly regarded. And uh, we were communicating back and forth about the importance of private equity. And essentially, the white paper concluded that um, – Private equity firms, uh, for the most part, do create jobs. Uh, surely there are some firms out there that do what they call buy it, strip it, and flip it mentality. Ooh, but check that out. You like that? that? You like I that? I remember that one. Yeah. Buy it, strip uh, it, and flip it. And we're, we're talking about companies, right? Yes. Okay, yes. good. Uh, but they, they're the, from the job creation perspective, it says to support the growth, the companies generally increase net headcount by about 29%. That's more than I would have thought, given the whole industry. Yep. yep. I mean, I think, so, we, I think we, we at Evolution blow that number away, but, uh, but that's a, that's, I'm stunned from an industry perspective that that's, that that's live data or good data. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's actually – it's well, well written and uh, something that I will ask private advisors if we can post on our, uh, our website because I think it's great research by them. And, uh, and again, I think I, I applaud them for, for, for writing the, the article. That's great. No, I, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, given how much money is out there chasing some of the upper end deals. And, uh, you know, as you and I know, Jeff, we, we, uh, we focus kind of in, in very small businesses and, uh, you know, sub $10 million often, you know, kind of four or $5 million. And so we have to grow the businesses and have to add employees because that's what our investments are all about. So I'm, I'm glad that the, uh, the industry actually has that sort of data that, that, uh, that I, I knew it was a positive number. That's a, that's a much more bigger positive number than I was thinking. Mm-hmm. Very exciting. They actually need to know about onboarding, which is what we talked about last week. So they should tune in because it's all about adding those people and making them more effective out of the gate. That that is a very that is a very good point, and I I appreciate you see you balance the show out very nicely. Yeah, Brennan. yeah. I uh, actually full disclosure, I found my notes from talking to Mark right here, so I got them. <laughs> I, I I feel like I missed the opportunity to talk about all that wonderful stuff, but we'll they should dial in and listen because it's all good stuff. Well, Brendan, the topic this week is the entrepreneurial mindset. And, you know, you and I talk to a lot of people all the time that have great ideas or want to do something. They're just scared to do it. They don't want to take the leap of faith. They're not sure how to do it. Uh, you know, all the unknowns that, that we went through when we started Evolution from scratch. And our guest this week is Blake Squires. He's the CEO of his newest company called Movable. Uh, and isn't that a great, isn't that a great name for an entrepreneur to Blake Squires? I mean, that pretty much says I'm going to go out there and just, you know, bust a move, right? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm risking it all, baby. I like that. Yeah. And, or he could be an action hero or some kind of a detective or or both or all three or all three. And right. maybe he is because he's got a ton of energy because this movable is his fourth venture. Um, he's had uh, he's been recognized as 40 most influ- influential people under 40 by Cranes magazine. He was also like we were, Brendan, uh, E&Y Entrepreneur of the Year finalist back in 2010. All the good um, ones. All the good ones just must get the finalist. <laughs> that's you know exactly mean? right. All that's right, exactly good. right. But he's done, he's done extremely well, and I would call him a bit of a thrill seeker because he loves the actual startup part of, of the entrepreneurial process and generally is looking for the exit at about $25 million of revenue, and then he wants to start all over again. 
Yeah, that's uh, that is a thrill seeker. I think uh, I think you and I have uh, realized that that's that that's tough. Uh, Tough sledding, you know what I mean. And uh, it's sometimes it's uh, once you get a little bit of uh, a little bit of uh, volume behind you, it never hurts. It makes it a little easier to go down the hill. So well, well, that's why I said thrill seeker because I don't, you know, I like small businesses. I'd like to start with something. <laughs> yeah, start which is from nothing is a whole new ball game. Well, Jeff, that actually kind of it, it perfectly transitions into the market that not to always talk about evolution, but but you know really evolution really takes it when the entrepreneur has turned it into something, but needs something else to to make the, make the next step. So, you know, it sounds like Blake is uh, uh, unbelievable at getting that you know the first twenty five, thirty, forty employees. We'll have to find out where you know where his his com- you know his excitement and comfort level is, and uh, or actually where he adds the most value in these businesses would be. Uh, we'll look forward to learning about that. Mm-hmm. Well, early in his career, he really uh, he was started his career in Los Angeles in the mid 1990s, where he witnessed firsthand a convergence of technology and media, and in this case, record companies awakened by the internet. Uh, capitalizing on that disruption, Blake moved back to Cleveland to co-found and become chief operating officer of EverStream, which was a streaming media and digital cable analytics company which uh, sold to Concurrent Computer, which is a NASDAQ-traded company. Uh, then he f- co-founded Adcoda, a digital music download company, and then he found lo- – down- uh, excuse me. Then he, <laughs> then he downloaded. Then he found loaded? Found loaded. Uh, a company called uh, Playaway, uh, playaway.com, which is preloaded music. That's the business. That's actually where we met Blake uh, back in the day. Mm-hmm. And then uh, his most recent business, as I said, was, was Movable. And it's really a health and performance, um, uh, you know, activity management company. So they uh, they design and develop these these simple and cost effective wrist worn activity monitors called Move Bands, and it's activity awareness program uh, which together are managed online. So basically, they sell uh, this activity based wellness program to uh, large companies that uh, have their employees wear these bands to measure their activity and it gets downloaded uh, into this Move Challenge program and uh, uh, it, it uh, has done extremely well. So, uh, and, and it was an idea he got from his wife, actually. Really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. And we're going to talk about all that stuff. So um, with that, we are going to move into our first break and we're going to come back with Blake Squires and, and learn about the, the entrepreneurial mindset. But uh, I want to remind everybody that you can certainly add to this uh this day's story by emailing us at the second stage at evolutioncp.com uh, or blog at evolutioncp.com. And as always, I want to thank our host, McGladry LLP. They are the leading provider of assurance tax and consulting services focused on small and mid sized businesses nationwide with more than 6,700 people in 75 U.S. cities. So with that, we're going to sign off for this first segment of the second stage and come back with our guest, Blake Squires. Thanks for tuning in to the second stage. This is Davis Love III, Ryder Cup captain and Team McGladry member. McGladry is about building relationships. That's the kind of team I want to be a part of, a team that builds deep understanding of each client's vision and unique way of doing business. The same attributes I look for and the partners I choose. It's this understanding that enables you and me to make confident decisions. When you trust the advice you're getting, you know your next move is the right move. This is the power of being understood. 
This is McGladry, Assurance Tax Consulting. Do you, like most Americans, spend the majority of your life at work? Are you making it the joy that it deserves to be, or are you feeling drained and unfocused? Tune in to A Great Place to Work with hosts Kurt Kaufman and Dr. Kathy Sorensen. Your hosts have more than 30 years of experience in workplace consulting and are ready to bring you the secrets and success stories of businesses who are making their business a great place to work. Listen every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and enjoy a better workplace and a better life. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Second Stage. To reach the hosts or their guests today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to thesecondstage at evolutioncp.com. Now, back to Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. Welcome back to the show, The Second Stage. This is uh, Jeff Cadlick. I'm here with my tag team partner, Brendan Anderson. Say hello, Brendan. Hello, everybody. Again. <laughs> uh, we've got our guest, uh, Blake Squires, the CEO of Movable, uh, on the line, and he's going to talk to us about the entrepreneurial mindset. How are you, Blake? Doing well today. Thanks for having me. Uh, my pleasure. Blake, we went over your bio in advance of uh, getting you on the show. We covered it in the first segment, and I used the term thrill seeker to describe. <laughs> uh, thrill seeker or pain seeker, depending upon you know, how. Yeah, what crazy, kind of pain. Yeah. insane. Is that you're right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and Brenda and I were really commenting on the fact that we like to start with something. But you like starting with nothing, uh, it sounds like. You've done it four times now. You know, that, that's right. And um, it, 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 as crazy as it sounds, and I guess it is crazy, but uh, there's something about that initial creative process uh, that, that, that I enjoy most. Like in your mind, when you're when you're thinking about what's next, say you you know you're you're between uh, company one, company two, company three, you know company four, whatever. How many ideas are you throwing around in your head? And are they similar? Are they variations of the same thing? Tell me tell me what's rattling around up there. Well, I have you know some some formulas and and as I've been going through this, and and clearly they're they're somewhat related in a sense of. Uh, go-to-market strategy, um, what I've done, what I know. Uh, I don't want to fully recreate the wheel, uh, bring in other folks to help with that. But, you know, as I'm in one business, um, I'm always leaning into that business, but I'm also a tinkerer and just constantly collecting people, collecting ideas. Um, and just because they're usually, you know, in, in and around things that I'm doing in the moment, they're usually fairly related. 
Dive into that a little bit deeper about how you know how, how, what sort of things are related, or what sort of uh, you know kind of the plans do you do you duplicate from one deal to another. Well, and, and Jeff said he read my bio, but uh, you know, started in this the the, the music business, which was you know content, uh, very brand marketing driven. Uh, next evolution went into a software company, uh, and and then the next company, and then the last two have been more hardware, but connected online, and and clearly, you know, from software to to hardware, now back kind of combining the software hardware, um, all very brand driven. You know, going back to to the roots of what I've done, so. You know, if, if you look at my background, it's it's technology, uh, technology, software, hardware, and, and clearly marketing and brand. Um, so, you know, really as I'm in the midst of one company, uh, and a company is a journey, and so I'm also thinking about, okay, where does where does the next, whether it's for the company I'm I'm in in the center of, or you know, as I start thinking about what's next, because I'll always I always know there's a next with me. Back to that thrill seeker comment. When you uh, well, I shall save that question for a second. So, so t- give me through the entrepreneurial mindset. You know, when, when you're when you're when you're setting it up, you, you have an idea. What, what do you what do you do What do you do next? I mean, is it you, you you call your lawyer? Do you consult with your wife? It sounds like on the last one she told you, and then you you consult. Well, you did the reverse consult, and she told you, and then you reacted. But I'm kidding. Right. Um, right. But uh, what's what's the step? How's that work? Well, well, the mindset is really more of a mental attitude, which is about believing in something, being prepared, uh, having a great deal of luck, and then just doing. Um, you know, you're you're shifting to what I consider more of a tactical. Um, what do you do first? And the first thing that I always do is define who you are, the who being the company. So, what do you believe in? These are typically manifested in the core values. How will you operate? What kind of a company will you be? which will allow you to attract like-minded people, employees, associates, and also builds kind of that foundation and the guiding principles. So part of what I love about starting something is, of course, you know, the creative element of the product, the service, but it's also you get to formulate the culture. Uh, so step one is define who you are. All right. So all right. So I got tangent alert, Jeff, tangent alert. I know, I know it's going to kill you. I, I know it's good, but, I, but it would kill you if I didn't go on a tangent. I got to ask this question every time I meet an entrepreneur. Where did you come up with the concept of of a who uh, core values um, culture? Where, where did where did that where did that come from? What was your um, yeah? So previous uh, businesses have have been with partners, and you know it's a conversation. It's you know really day one. It is okay. We think we're going to do this because obviously a startup is an evolution and ongoing, you know, series of events and changes. And but at the center, from day one, this is who we want to be. And for me, you know, they're they're, they're values that I've held in my life as far as being ethical, uh, honest. Um, clearly, creativity is at the forefront of things. So personally, for me, you know, it, that's the fun part. You can sit at the table. And put those values, those personal values, on the table, which should then manifest itself into the company. Well, and it, it, we we just we love that about about small businesses and how you can how you can really you know 
form the future growth and uh, and set the stage for that. Uh, you know, and, and we believe we uh, believe exactly with what you're saying. And uh, I may uh, beat that up. Uh oh, Jeff's got a well, comment. No, no, but I know our listeners are probably thinking that we prompted Blake to say core values because Blake, this has been kind of a recurring theme in a lot of our shows where a lot of these successful entrepreneurs, such as yourself, always talk about core values, and uh, it's something that we advocate. And so I just wanted people to know that this was an honest program and. <laughs> Uh, and yeah. that that just was prompted uh, just now. So anyway, Blake, I have this theory um, that I, I I'm not sure if I can statistically prove it. Actually, I think I could, but I'm not sure how I'd ever come up with the data. But um, the companies that that do in fact grow and you know get beyond the, the founder, um, you know, we, we figure that it's you know 90 percent of them are using some sort of process or you know or kind of development of values and purpose and so forth and the other yep. the 10 the 10 percent that make it without that they've just got a very talented person that out you know that that for some godforsaken reasons able to you know out hustle the world and you know and that's hard to duplicate over and over and over again but uh you know but it does happen i actually think the answer is closer to like 99.2 to you know 0.08 or, you know on that but uh i don't have the data but i'm going to quote the data anyways jeff that's well I, I would say if you're a Applying, if you're if you're talking about a high growth company, you know I think mm-hmm. you can be lucky if you you know have a charismatic leader, if you have just a really great product or service, and you know you know you, you can grow things in the single to you know low double digits. But if you're talking about a high growth company, then you really need the team, you need you know the full effort, and that's you know I I would I would say your 99 is 99.9, if not 100 <laughs> percent. Yeah, I sh- we sure believe that too. So, so Blake, let me um, let me ask you a question. So, let's say you've established your core values. You've thought about your who as an organization. Uh, you know, what are the next steps? And and eventually, I kind of want to figure out who is the first person that you reach out to beyond yourself to to develop the initiative, to develop the next step, and and get really get the ball rolling from the outset. Yeah, so I mean, there's um, and 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 you you there's clearly an idea. There's a a business you know thesis product service uh, that's at hand when you first sit at the table to define the core values. I mean, we're just not defining them and then say, okay, what are we going to do next? Um, so the next steps, um, you know, really pick something uh, you know that that you already say you have the idea. Um, so that that's a good thing because you're picking something that follows again what I consider this mindset: believing, being prepared, have a great deal of luck, and just doing. Um, then you know, there's the the reality of researching. Um, you know, know that the idea, and this really gets in Jeff to your question: what's the next step? And you know, it's not a um, it's not a step one, step two, step three. When you have that idea. You're, you're constantly going out to the world to vet it, right? You're also sitting back and doing and, and enough research so that you know what you're going out to vet, you know, knowing the market, the size, the competition, ease of entry, customers, the people to get it done. You're doing enough research, but you're really, you know, the, the, the first next person that I would call is the person that I feel is an expert in whatever domain the idea may reside in to ensure that it's valid, Right. Then there's obviously the company formation realities where are you an LLC, a C-Corp, so you're calling the attorneys uh, to formulate the business. Obviously, whether you're self-investing or looking for investors, 
setting, uh, you know, the structure of the business properly. Um, that's obviously, you know, from day one, if you're sitting at a table outlining core values, you better be serious about your time and your energy against the idea. So putting the structure in place is of, of importance. Blake, maybe d- dig a little deeper into the type of people that you would call to vet a project. Are these people that you would ask to put money in it? Or are they just people that you respect? Maybe give uh, give a little more color there. So uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, movable. Uh, we're in this you know highly competitive uh, risk-worn activity monitor market. Uh, we're quite different how we go to market and we're utilizing and leveraging. But clearly, playing in that space. I'm an advocate of always picking up the phone and finding the world's best. So who do I know inside Nike who's one of the leaders of building these devices? How do we understand what they're doing, how they're doing it? Um, you know, design groups, the world's best, like IDO. What's happening in the market from their perspective? Um, so really, you know, and yes, you know, investors who may be uh, at this point, you know, may not be asking for money, but investors that may be market segment appropriate. So who has invested in, you know, behavioral software uh, and platforms? Um, so really thinking about, you know, who's the world's best? Who's the person that you'd say, when I pick up the phone, they're never going to answer it. But guess what? When you spend your time and you actually do reach out and you use your network, you'll get to those folks. So the experts. Well, that's pretty good, Jeff. Did you write that down? Because I'm going to need you to start dialing around in our next couple deals. No, I'm just going to re-listen to this recording. <laughs> Dude, that's, that's good. That's good. Now, you know, I have a question. Because you, know, you and I, Blake, we talked about you know, when you're getting started and you're sharing your idea. And you have fairly strong opinions about this whole idea around confidentiality. That's right. So, you know, obviously you have to protect your IP, you, you know, and, and obviously it's important to, to build upon IP. But, you know, at the end of the day, a business idea comes down to the execution. I don't care if you have the best idea in the world. Uh, if you do have the best idea in the world and you share it with somebody, and guess what? If they want to take it and execute against it, then they would have beat you out later anyway. Um, so my point of view is, um, you know, I'm always diligent in NDAs and, and confidentialities, and, and, you know, you need to follow the process and, and, and not be reckless. But on the other side, I would err towards, you know, never not having a conversation because there's not an NDA in place. Again, the, it comes down to the execution. And if the other person is willing to out-execute you, then God bless them. Mm-hmm. That, actually, that actually is a great concept. I love it. Go ahead, Jeff. I see you got another one. Well, well, a a couple things. Just, you know, we actually just in the private equity market, when you share an opportunity with somebody, a confidentiality agreement is always executed in advance. But what we've learned is in the venture capital community, that's not the case. VC funds will never bring sign an NDA, which I just it just surprised me. But well, and I think it's. If you don't mind me, just I, I also no. think there's a different level of you know when you're when you're hitting the PE market, there's there's potentially a different level of risk, right? You're dealing with an entity that is more formulated, um, has the assets and and different cap table structures versus you know VC. Those things are all in place, but they may be coming in earlier, where you know the risk versus the reward spectrum may be a little different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we want to uh, conclude this segment, Blake, and I've got a couple more questions already formulating up in my, my little brain here, uh, but we've enjoyed 
getting into this discussion on the entrepreneurial mindset. And we'll be back after the segment to continue discussion with Blake Squires of CEO of Movable. Thanks for tuning into the second stage. If you currently or aspire to serve on a board or work in a leadership capacity for or with a public or nonprofit organization, where can you turn to get the best advice and practices? How about Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G., Jenny Frumer, John Janetta, and Linda Schub? Our program discusses challenges facing both public and nonprofit leaders. Don't miss these practical solutions and tips to enhance your leadership style and effectiveness. Leadership Matters airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. This is Davis Love III, Ryder Cup captain and Team McGladry member. McGladry is about building relationships. That's the kind of team I want to be a part of a team that builds deep understanding of each client's vision and unique way of doing business. The same attributes I look for and the partners I choose. It's this understanding that enables you and me to make confident decisions. When you trust the advice you're getting, you know your next move is the right move. This is the power of being understood. This is McGladry. Assurance. Tax. Consulting. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Second Stage. To reach the hosts or their guests today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to thesecondstage at evolutioncp.com. Now, back to Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. Welcome back to the show, The Second Stage. This is Jeff Cadlick, and I'm here with my tag team partner, Brendan Anderson. We want to continue the discussion with our guest this week, Blake Squires, CEO of Movable, on the entrepreneurial mindset. And, and Blake, as we were finishing off the earlier segment, we were uh, kind of capitalizing on your thoughts on confidentiality. And you know, my knee-jerk reaction at Evolution has always been to be a little bit more confidential. And Brendan's always like, look, what we do is really hard. It's all about the execution. If somebody thinks that they can execute like we do, then then uh, go for it. Uh, so I think your point, I guess, Blake, it was right on the money about execution. Thanks. And just to clarify, I mean, you know, as you and, and we're talking about vetting an idea, um, you know, it's going to be and, and what you said is spot on. It does come down to the execution. Now, as you build a business, of course, there's go-to-market strategies. There's, you know, intellectual property. Maybe it's around software, some key development you have. I mean, there's certainly things as you evolve the business that stay in the quote-unquote lockbox. But as you're vetting things, vetting ideas, and out front trying to grow and keep the high growth going, then, you know, just just a caveat that that's when you know kind of loosen loosen the guard a bit. Yeah, my point right. of view. 
No, that's good. Very, very good point. So really, the as we move through the tactics of this entrepreneurial formulation uh, process, you, 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 we've talked about you know the core values, and we've talked about reaching out to experts. And, and so, what is what is that next step? I mean, what do you what do you try to figure out uh, as as the you move through the process? Yeah, well, at some part in the process, uh, you need to have a financial plan, uh, and I often refer to it as a realistic financial plan. Know what it's going to take. Be conservative on the revenue. It's always better to beat the expectations, yet think big on expense planning against the revenue. You know, don't be silly. But uh, And then, you know, timing is always the demon. Everything takes much longer than expected. Um, so as you're building out that financial plan, conservative on revenue it's going to take you longer. Think harder and, and broader about expenses. And then, obviously, at the end of the day, uh, driving any financial plan, cash is king. <laughs> yeah, I, Jim, I just want to point out that I, I also want to point out that we didn't prompt that one either. I mean, you know, I had to, I, uh, Blake, I had to smile when you started talking about a plan. I literally looked, you know, Jeff and I are across a glass uh, office, and I looked and I just started laughing because it's like we, that's what we, uh, you know, it's like have a plan and know it's going to be more expensive and take longer, and uh, and it's hard to get that across to a lot of entrepreneurs. So that's a very, very, very good news or advice. Well, are we giving out any evolution trade secrets here? Should we go back yeah. to the uh, confidentiality piece? <laughs> exactly. Well, it's funny, Brendan. Let me ask you: of all the businesses that we look at to give us projections, what percentage actually meet or exceed the projections that they give us initially? Not when we do a budget, but initially. How many meet or exceed? Yeah, what very, percentage? Very, very few. Uh, 10%? One percent. Yeah, one <laughs> less than ten percent. Probably one percent. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. I mean, so, I, and just to be and to be fair, you know, you and I have been doing this a very long time, and we try to we try to put in. Um, you know, uh, you know, kind of expenses that we know happen. We try to put in hedges, and we try to put in, you know, kind of pools of of expenses that you know that we just don't know. And it's still amazing how often we don't even you know put, put aside enough. And that's why you know, not to make this an evolution show. That's why we always go with a very conservative balance sheet because you know you know that you're going to hit hiccups in those first couple of years. So right, right. Well, my next two uh, items of tactics uh, are related to financial plan, and they they parallel. Do exactly what you're saying, and they're you know beyond just having this realistic financial plan, have a contingency plan on top of it. So think conservative, but have a worst case. You know, knowing the levers, right? The from a sales standpoint, the volume and timing, gross margin. From an expense standpoint, the people, the marketing, and then everything else. But kind of know, you know, even though you think you've got your plan nailed. Have that contingency plan, and then you know the next thing is have a sky in the, the have a pie in the sky plan, uh, really around so you know that you can scale the business because you know scalability like cash is king. Um, so that also when it happens, you see it, um, you know how to scale it, and you also it helps you think big. So you're not just you know scared by your financial plan and your contingency plan, but then you're really letting yourself think big, and A, making sure the business has the potential to continue growth uh, and that you can see it and you can motivate against it. Mm-hmm. As far as uh, just when you talk about contingency planning and you're thinking about your budgeting process, are there certain things that stand out that always end up being so, for instance, um, 
you know, bringing on people? Are you trying to, do you try to bring on people earlier in the process and, or do you try to you know, hold off as long as you can bringing people on to try to manage the cash? Do you have a bias either way? Yeah, I mean, I always err to bringing them on sooner uh, because if you're in the swim lane and thinking about a resource to scale, and clearly, you know, you need the core team, and then you start to add as you scale, uh, add towards the plan. But then, if you see areas that are evolving or are new, you know, I would go ahead and, and bring that resource in as early, um, and then if it doesn't work out, shift them somewhere else in the business and make sure that the whole business can absorb uh, the individual because it, it takes people. Uh, it takes time for people to get in to, you know, really adopt the culture and understand, you know, those levers and what's happening. Uh, but if you do it successfully, then you can really maximize on whatever that opportunity is that you're bringing that person in for. And if you miss, again, you, you shift. Right, right. Yep. Blake, have you ever? I mean, in some of the businesses, have you guys ever hit a a, peri- a lull period where you needed to kind of shift stuff around? Maybe talk about that a little bit, because you know that that's the that's that's the the big test of an entrepreneur. Sure. No, we've uh, uh, previous business. We we thought we had it. Um, a certain business model. Uh, we had raised fourteen million in capital, and after closing the capital, had realized uh, it's not going to work, and we had eighty people. Uh, at that point, and so we had to, you know, talk about a shift. We pivoted, uh, and and basically, in the period of about six, months, re, re restructured the uh, the entire company. Oh wow! But that's you know, and that's and that's you know, you know, from uh, reading in the books or listening on the radio, uh, being an entrepreneur sounds uh, sounds like it's uh, you know a thrilling life, and you know there there are the moments where you have to make those tough decisions, and it's and it and it becomes less fun. Uh, but it's, uh, but you know, it is about you know, kind of making sure the company can make it through these, you know, those critical times. So that's, uh, you know, that's a big part of it. And as uh, Jeff and I learn every once yeah. in a while here, there. One one last question on the contingency side of it. Do you? So when we look at these small businesses, oftentimes they don't have a lot of data, and they've always looked at the cash account, and their mental check was, I've got maybe two or three payrolls in my cash account and then anything over and above that is is cash that I can distribute to myself or cash where I can reinvest in the business uh, sooner rather than later. Do you have a – I mean what are your rule of thumb things or are there certain, as you said, levers that you're looking at to, to make decisions with the business? Yeah, I mean there's, you know, there's, there's balance sheet guidance between um, assets and liabilities as a whole that you know, and, and cash is the big metric. Uh, including, you know, receivables, if you know your business well enough and you're, you're, you're feeling good about, you know, kind of timing and, and average timing and, you know, then the liability side. And, you know, m- the businesses that, that I jump in the center of, they're, you know, they're all businesses that have required investment. So, you know, it's, it's uh, business performance isn't always the numbers, but it's milestones and particularly, you know, uh, with businesses that you may be in, investing mode before you even turn the corner, hit profitability for, you know, two, three years. Um, But, you know, you are looking at business performance, key milestones, clearly, you know, assets, liabilities to understand runway. And like the contingency plan, um, you know, you're constantly looking at, okay, what's worst case scenario? Uh, Sales forecast is this, you know, I want to motivate the sales team to obviously beat that plan. 
but then sitting down with the CFO or somebody else, it's okay, we cut that in half. Our receivables go out by, you know, another 60 days from what we're feeling. Where does that put us? And that starts to, you know, guide you on uh, starting to, to have the investment conversations and needs with the board, et cetera. So, you know, I always feel uneasy uh, if the business itself is, um, you know, four months, um, and, 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 and that's just the business itself. But if I don't have a good eight to 12 months, um, may not be closed, but of certainty that investment or other capital will be brought into the business, then, you know, it, it's, uh, it's another element of stress than it is pivoting and, and riffing, you know, a significant amount of headcount for sure. But it's still right. stress. Right, right. No, it's excellent points there. So, so you got the contingency in place. You know, then, then what? What's the next step after that? Well, we talked about the pie in the sky plan, and from this point forward, it's really about focus. Um, be clear who you are and what you provide. Um, don't just do something because you can or see it. So, really having a focus, have a plan, motivate, uh, and, you know, as a leader, really lead to the plan, build the KPIs, the key performance indicators, hold people accountable, uh, et cetera. And then from there, it's bringing in partners, uh, make sure they're necessary, you know, spend time finding out, finding and attracting. We talked about really a world-class mentality. Go find the best. If you're looking for a partner, make sure they're bigger and they can provide a lot more value than you can. Um, And they also help a lot with, uh, the story, uh, as well as the services of the thing that they provide. Uh, and then lastly, you know, as a tactic, it's, and as a leader, get out of the way. You know, don't get stuck, and, and even for everybody inside of the business, you know, get out of your own way. Don't get stuck on the one thing uh, in or about the business. Uh, you have to consider the whole. Uh, if you can't consider the whole, it's time to bring somebody else in that can. You know, I love this quote, the only way to keep power is by handing it over and uh, I think that's a very true statement, a quote. So uh, and th- that's those are excellent points again, Blake. And I had a, had a question for you. I only have a few more minutes. I want to talk to you. You know, in the, the startup world, the VC world, options uh, are very important as, a, as compensation and as an incentive to, you know, the partners that you're talking about bringing on. What is your philosophy about options? And do, you, do they vest immediately? Do you hold, tend to hold them back? Do you give them to everybody or do you give it to the, the key decision makers? How do you look at all that stuff? So clearly, uh, uh, the, the everybody inside the company needs to be incentivized. And there's different ways to structure comp. Uh, clearly, you know, drivers and key members of the business, uh, management teams, VPs, et cetera, you know, having ownership in the sense of options, uh, I, I believe, uh, is, is important. Um, but then also beyond, you know, options, and I'll, I'll come back to real, you know, in, in a minute here about how, how I view those, but then also everybody else has to be incentivized in some way. You know, when you're starting to throw off profits, put, put a bit of it in a profit share. Uh, there's a lot of ways to win through culture. Um, just, you know, people can win at work every day, and there's different things to do there. But as it pertains to options, um, yeah, you have to have a vesting. You know, most of the plans that, that, that the businesses that I've had, a lot of times we're doing shareholder appreciation rights plans, um, you know, be mindful of tax consequences to the recipients. 
Uh, and not just time-based, but also milestone-based. So if you're a key role, and again, this really goes back to a compensation piece, not, you know, hey, I'm here, I'm a senior member, I deserve a piece of the pie. It's, hey, I'm here, a senior member, and here's the value that I can bring to the table, and therefore I should be rewarded. And sometimes it's not just time, it's also milestone-based. Well, that's that is uh, great advice, and and uh, you know I love having guests on like you, Blake. That I could sit here and listen and learn from you for you know another hour at least. And unfortunately, we're kind of coming to the end of our third segment of our show. And uh, I just appreciate having you on the show. I admire everything you've done, and one of the things I admire most is that you've created. Uh, 250 jobs with the four businesses that you've started and that these businesses have continued on after your involvement, I think, is is a testament to uh, the creativity and the entrepreneurial spirit that, that you've got. Well, thanks, Jeff. I mean, you know, this, this is, like I said, business is a journey. Uh, I never want to be engaged in a business where the end game is to, you know, quote unquote, become rich or just sell it off. Or, you know, the best legacy is can you exit a business as the leader and have that culture and have the business continue in its growth? And that's happened with with every one of the businesses. So thanks for pointing that out. Yeah, well said. Well said. Very, very well said. Uh, and so we're going to uh, take another short break, and we'll be back to finish off the conversation about the entrepreneurial mindset. And want to thank Blake Squires, the CEO of Movable, for being on our show today. Thanks a lot, Blake. And thanks, thanks for Blake. tuning into the second stage. How is your plan going? Could you use a little help on your path to success? Why not step up and play big? Join host Chris Ruisi for a show that will help you identify the possibilities that await you. Too many people succumb to just being average when they could be exceeding average without too much more effort. It's time for you to become exceptional. Raise the bar to your success. Basically, it's time for you to step up and play big. Join Chris Ruisi every Wednesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. This is Davis Love III, Ryder Cup captain and Team McGladry member. McGladry is about building relationships. That's the kind of team I want to be a part of. A team that builds deep understanding of each client's vision and unique way of doing business. The same attributes I look for and the partners I choose. It's this understanding that enables you and me to make confident decisions. When you trust the advice you're getting, you know your next move is the right move. This is the power of being understood. This is McGladry. Assurance. Tax. Consulting. You are tuned in to The Second Stage. 
To reach the hosts or their guests today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to thesecondstage at evolutioncp.com. Now, back to Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. Welcome back to the second stage. This is Jeff Cadlick, and I'm here with my partner, Brendan Anderson. Thanks for tuning into the second stage, a show about small business best practices. And I tell you, having guests on like Blake make this job so enjoyable. It is fun. It's uh, obviously he knows what he's talking about. He's he's been through it now four times at least, and uh, you know it really does reinforce the things that we're trying to do here at Evolution and uh, things that lead to successful, uh, sustainable businesses. Well, I was kind of laughing the entire time that he was talking because, as I pointed out, I think in the beginning of the third segment, you know, we didn't put him up to talking about core values and it, things like that. I'm not that. sure anybody's going to believe that, Jeff, but it's true. But it's true. Yeah, and and uh, and also, you know, a lot of what he was saying was tracking to our five pillars of business freedom. Yeah, it it, it is it's dead on, and and and. Uh, um, you know, we talk about plans, and you and I refer to you know plans A, B, and C. You know, A being the kind of the the, the super growth, B being you know with things kind of tread water, and C is if uh, you have to really you know kind of rethink your strategy. And um, it, it, it's those are all very very valuable points, and um, obviously a very experienced entrepreneur. That that uh, again, I think the common theme here, Jeff, is that you know it appears that Blake's building businesses that are bigger than himself, bigger that he can bigger than. Then one person he can step away from the businesses, and hopefully the people continue to grow the businesses and and uh, maintain their jobs in a these words sustainable way. Yeah, and and you know I, I kind of tucked that in there at the very end of the last segment because as we prepared for the show, you know I had asked him how many jobs that he's created with the four companies, and he kind of went through the math and came out to. 250. But he said that one of the, I mean, he was very proud of that. But what he was even more proud about was that these businesses had continued on uh, and and not only survived, but thrived. And uh, that was that was really, for him, was was the true achievement of what he had created. And you think about how special people like Blake are. I mean, think about you've got one man, one person uh, has gone out and created all these jobs. I and mean, if you had a million Blake Squires, I mean, you would think that the state governments and <laughs> federal governments, they would have like a VIP plan for guys like him just to make sure that he continued to start companies. Hey, Jeff, you know, you know who's got a, a great, I hate to always, you know, who's got a great foundation for uh, making sure companies get all this stuff done? Who? I think it's Evolution Capital. Oh my gosh, really? Yeah. Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. That's exactly what we're trying to do is build life-changing events. I'm sorry. It's not about evolution. But uh, that's exactly what we think we're trying to do here. We think we're doing well, it. We think we're doing it. Well, it's because we listen to people like Blake uh, and um, you know, some of the other great guys that we've uh, – and gals we've had on the show and uh, we learn. And uh, it's amazing. We have successful people on. We incorporate what they've talked about over the many years into our business and our business plan, and lo and behold, we're all speaking the same language. It's pretty neat. 
And as you know, I spend lots of time at uh, the Entrepreneurs Organization, and uh, you know, in, in, involved in whether it's the Accelerator Program or whether it's uh, you know, kind of in my forum groups and so forth. And uh, it just, I can tell you that the people that do this are successful, and the people that that aren't, aren't willing to make the you know the business something bigger than them, uh, they can still have nice lives and they can still be successful companies, but they they continue to stay on that we call it the small bid small business treadmill where they're just kind of keep doing the same thing and complaining about the same thing. And I know people are tired of me preaching about it, but it's, we see it over and over and over again. You know, but there's something that's special about someone that's gets involved in startups. I mean, as we were pointing out in the first segment, I mean, I, I personally, uh, you know, I guess we started evolution from scratch, but uh, I'm not itching to do that again. I would like to start with something that even if it has two or three million dollars of revenue, just something to kind of get you going uh, and and provide some framework to work within. I mean, someone like him is almost like an artist. I mean, they're just just think differently. But, but Jeff, think about the companies that we're talking to this right now. Think about the companies that we that you and I just went over in our deal log um, or opportunity log, let's call it. Most of those are people that have started their business. They've fought their way to four or five million dollars of revenue. They've got their five hundred to a million two of free cash flow, and I'm just you know summarizing. And those people are. Uh, you know, it, it are are looking for you know a better way, and and it, it, can you imagine a a better job than to get to pl- deal with those people every day? I mean, it, it's just wonderful. I mean, you knew I was in uh, on the East Coast and uh, visiting a company, and you, know, you walk out of there, and, and you just can't help but want those people to be successful. You know, whether we can be part of it or not, uh, you just you just can't help it. it it's uh, there, you know, the company we visited this week was uh, you know, a startup eight nine years ago. They've got Twenty-eight, you know, well-paid, uh, uh, you know, engineers, software programmers, and they've literally created an industry, and that is fun, fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I want to rephrase what I just said. Uh, I, I, call, I called them an artist, and just this free form was was rattling around in my head. But if you really listen to what Blake was saying, is is that sure he may have a lot of ideas rattling around in his head, but his template is very well established. He has yep. this checklist and this process that he has to go through these screens that he vets his ideas. And that to me sounded, you know, very established. And and so I think people think entrepreneurs may be a little crazy and they probably are because they're very daring, thrill seeking people. But he has a very disciplined strategy and checklist that he goes through before he keeps uh, going. Do we have so, any, do we know anybody like that? Do we know anybody like that, Jeff? <laughs> we know asking. a few people. We okay. know a few All right, people. Just checking. I'm just checking. So uh, I hope you found uh, our listeners found today's show uh, a good, positive show. Got some actionable advice, and we're encouraging you to get started. You can listen to this uh, our shows every Monday at five o'clock Eastern time, and you can certainly uh, find downloads on uh, iTunes uh, on podcast or go to VoiceAmerica.com. Brendan, we've got passion for possibilities. We've got 15 seconds. Yep. Create mojo before you go. And what I mean by that is create the mojo in the business you know, so that you can leave, so that you can leave and still be, uh, still be a successful business. Create the mojo before you go, Joe. Mojo before you go, go. <laughs> I, I was going to go with that, and I thought, you'd be, I thought it was too cheesy. But I, you know, I, I will never do that again, Jeff. All right, everybody. Passion for possibilities. Thanks for tuning in to the second stage. <laughs> 
Thank you for tuning in this week to The Second Stage. Please join Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson again next Monday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And have a successful week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.